Welcome back, podcast listeners. It's time to celebrate. We're here with episode 100, and I'm here with my sidekick, Tony. <laughs> Welcome. Sidekick. Sidekick. I was going to go with sidekick, Mike, Wags, my left-hand man. <laughs> no, I, I am thrilled to be uh, known in your life as your sidekick because yeah. I'm honoured because there's not too many people who have that honour of being your sidekick, mate. So. No, that's right. Someone yep. needs to get my work done. That's, that's what we're saying here, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. So it's, um, yeah. But look, mate, Podcast 100, um, now... The idea started from you and, and Willard, and and let's just say I probably didn't have the confidence that we definitely get to 100. I didn't have the confidence we'd get past 10, but here we are. You didn't even want to do one. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you're the natural sports commentator, Jamie, but you didn't even want to do one podcast. It was, uh, but no, it's, uh, I think there are, there is fair to say there were a lot of doubters. But yeah, two years later. Congratulations. We're here. And look, everyone's told me you're the most entertaining. Well, that's no one wants to listen to me. That's good to know. And look, I might even come up with a new catchphrase leading into the podcast in uh, the next set of 100. Who knows? You never know. (laughs) But look, today we want to celebrate um, Kofk and Bond. Um, And it's not just you and I talking shit all the time. Um, We do have our team behind us and, and they do an amazing job. So we do want to get them in here and talking about what we do and why we are Kofk and Bond. Um, but is there anything else that you want to touch on before we sort of dive into that? No, but as an organisation, we are the organisation that sets very high standards uh, for ourselves um, in respect to what we do for our clients. And, you know, we can only achieve that because of the calibre of the people that work here um, who are exceptional. And they have to be exceptional to work here and have that exceptional attitude otherwise you don't last um, and the people that we have with us today are just wonderful client focused uh, humans where it's always about the outcome for the clients and could not be more proud of their growth over the last few years it's been wonderful it has and look you will hear from some people that we've had on the podcast before um, but you will hear from some people that haven't been and there's a few nervous people waiting. Yeah, people who don't like having to talk and certainly not off the cuff and uh, very comfortable talking with clients, but not necessarily with a microphone shoved in front of their face. No, so we will bring in our first guest um, and we have the lovely Patrista coming in to join us. Uh, do you want to have a little say about Patrista? Yeah, Patrista, she, um, she came to us in a job interview and... Um, was a position she's uh, done her masters of taxation and accounting specializing in auditing she came to us for a entry-level job and she has grown in an organization where you know people might not have necessarily um, spoken to Patrista but they've all heard from Patrista yeah uh, based on the fact that the work she does is absolutely amazing so it's and it's once again it's that caring attitude of making sure that she uh, is always there answering the client's work and doing it precisely and that audit background is she is precise <laughs> so it's uh, and and she her follow-through and she's continually saying to me have you done this yet i'll get it done right now for you is my <laughs> answer as she giggles in the background there so, it's, so uh, welcome patrista is this the first time on the podcast yes thank you so much for the invite and 
and um, I'd like to congratulate all of you for you know reaching the hundred episode of the podcast. Thank you. It's really great to see that you guys are you know consistent with the um, podcast, and I'm really glad to be a part of this today. So thank you so much. No, we uh, we thank you, Patricia, and we've always said that you're you're the backbone of us and, and getting the work done. But look, from that client servicing side, um, what's what's most important to you when you you're looking after a client? Um, so for me, one of the most important thing is um, you know getting this strategy um, implemented correctly. Yep. You know, um, and um, the apart apart from that, also my priority would be uh, to reduce the turnaround time. Um, sometimes uh, while implementing things, um, it might take a little a little bit longer. Yep. So my priority would be um, to. Um, speak with the clients and then uh, are, are to the fund managers and get those uh, all those tasks completed within a very less period of time. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's that's my goal. Yeah, and look, you do do it to a gold standard and the feedback from clients and a lot of them will be listening to this is they know you to help whenever needed. So yeah. Patricia, thank you very much for coming in and speaking to us. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Tone, now our next guest is one that I'm sure you're very proud of, and I'll let you hand over this introduction because you know the guy pretty well. I have. I've actually known him his entire life. Yep. So <laughs> it's, uh, so he's, uh, I actually first saw him on the exact day he was born, basically <laughs> <laughs> the exact second, and he is my... Uh, youngest son uh, who is about to turn 22 on Saturday uh, so it's uh, and we so we take him out for dinner Friday night and then don't get to see him until Monday that's basically what happens at this age I think so and unfortunately as we know he we went to lockdown on his 21st birthday so we didn't get to celebrate that so no I know he's too old to celebrate it with us anyway so. yeah it's been pushed out but we have the old we have the old boy in us here in Jeremy and Jeremy welcome to the podcast mate Thank you, Tony and Jamie. Um, today I'm going to be talking about the importance of data and how it's collected. Data is very important to Kafka and Bond & Co because we need to collect all the data about our clients so we ensure that we give accurate advice to our clients. So with that, Jez, I know that you sort of ring up the fund managers and the insurers and things like that. Yeah. So what's sort of the role that you're doing when you're calling them? So um, when I call up the fund managers, um, what we have to do at do is to fill out a third-party authority form yep. which helps us get information from all the fund managers regarding um, the client's super and insurance within yep. that super. Have you found sometimes, I know you've been frustrated with a few of the larger funds yes. uh, in regards to Very them so. refusing to yeah, provide information definitely. although the client has asked for the information yep. to be released? Definitely. So yeah. um. It was a lot worse during the first lockdown, but um, essentially with our third-party authorities, um, every time I would try up to um, call fund managers, speak about them to a mutual client, they'd always say, unfortunately, no, this TPA is invalid for no absolute reason. It's all been filled, dated, signed. Then that drags on for hours, not to mention I get put on hold for about half an hour first. and. That's, that's never too fun. Well, I don't know if I've told you the good news, but two of those <laughs> funds in particular are now being actually sued uh, and fined by ASIC. Oh, no. uh, because a lot, a couple of those larger funds, which were industry super funds, yeah. 
they uh, basically did not want to release the $10,000 government no. uh, release. And so oh, as a result, that's why it will take us five days to get back to you and uh, etc. So, but, but now they, uh, I'm actually quite thrilled that ASIC are taking them to task because oh, yeah. they have a job to do and we have a job to do yeah, for exactly. our clients and if they're not going to totally. release the information. So, exactly. now, so you're, there's one thing I do know about you and as you know I don't like to uh, bring family personal stuff in. Uh, but you are stubborn, and so when it <laughs> comes to it, so when it actually comes to your your job is to get that information. You will get that damn information. So it's a, do my best. So so <laughs> as much as on on a personal level, sometimes Jamie it bugs me on a weekend his <laughs> stubbornness. Uh, but for the job he does, it is wonderful. So Jez, it's thanks, a great trait. Thanks very much for coming in and joining us. That's right. Thank you, Tony, Jamie. Thanks, thanks, Jez. T, our uh, next guest here is becoming a little bit of an expert on these podcasts and he seems to make a few star cameos, but we have Sean here again and, and Sean's been introduced a few times, as I said, but what we want to touch on today with Sean is, um, I guess, he's had a pretty rough start to his first few months at Kofkin Bond. Well, he has, I mean, <laughs> but he's used to rough starts because he barracks for us in a football club, <laughs> so I feel his pain. <laughs> So no, uh, let's not get into yeah. that. But no, I feel this pain. But you didn't have to grow up in the suburb and feel that pain, man. So, <laughs> so, so. But when I talk, I guess, about a rough start, I'm not talking about the workload we're giving him. But, um, it's been pretty decent. But the, the insurance claims that Sean's helped on uh, and that he's already seen within Kofka and Bond and Co. Um, and that's what we're going to touch on today. But, Sean, why do you see sort of insurance being such an important thing? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I think it's... Um, pretty crucial and like we like we've touched on before um and said many times you hope it's sort of the worst the worst investment that you ever make um yeah it's it's a way to sort of transfer that risk across to um to an insurer so that uh, you can sort of look out for yourself and your family in the long term um and yeah hopefully it is it does end up being a waste of money but i think i've seen enough situations now and enough cases where um it's been absolutely essential for protecting obviously people's financial benefits but um, the impact that that can have on their family and themselves on their mental state um, I think that's that's really crucial and and really important to uh, to take into consideration when looking yeah at insurance it's, it's interesting isn't it that you've been here less than four months and there's currently five large cases uh, that we're working on and what what's been interesting is of those five cases, we only put the insurance in place for one of them, which was a seven-figure trauma insurance claim that was paid last week uh, for a 51-year-old who's kidney cancer. Um, the What I find interesting is um, a couple of them where they, you know, where an existing client's sister and they, she said, oh, no, she doesn't have any cover. And we actually just asked, well, would you mind if we just look into it and see what we can find? So, and do you just want to give a bit of sort of background on that where, um, I mean, she's, she's got advanced stage uh, cancer. And she's only young, in her 40s. Uh, but just want to give a bit of background on what you've had to do to actually find cover that they didn't know they have. Yeah, so there's sort of two two situations um, when we have clients with insurance. Like you said, we've set up the insurance for them. Um, we know exactly what's there. They know exactly what's there. Or there's that second one 
um, which can be much more complicated where whether it's with an industry fund, um, some default cover or yeah, basically the client's not aware of exactly what they have um, and might not be fully across what they're, what they're covered for. Um, that case in particular where it's just a lot of time on the phones to these industry funds or, or to insurers or whoever it is um, trying to figure out exactly what they have, what they might be entitled to, what the process is to, to obviously find out that info and how that might be used to best protect them. Um, I can think of another case where a client had absolutely no idea that he had insurance or that he might have been covered for an event that was a number of years ago um, and that was really important, I guess, having us on the case to have that knowledge of the industry and go, hey, there's you know, something, there's something here for you. We might be able to look into this and um, it's a really great way of, I guess, protecting them when uh, that, that could just go by the wayside if they don't really, um, if they aren't really across what they have and that's, you know, that's something that they've been paying premiums for, they've been paying fees for that they are absolutely entitled to uh, and that might go missing um, if not for, I guess, our work and the support that we give them. It's interesting on that case we had, um, I mean on the first case that we were talking about, it's uh, they were determined that they had no cover and Jeremy spoke earlier about the importance of data and getting those third party authorities and then by having those third party authorities and you following up we've actually found cover that they never knew that they were entitled to. And, and I believe there's been at least $10 billion, and this is a guesstimate, but at least $10 billion of claims that haven't, insurance claims that haven't been claimed because people didn't actually realise that they had to cover in the first place. But in the one you're talking about there, here's a new client to us, uh, but that was actually just doing a review of his cover and we were asking about his health and he said, oh no, he's in really good health, he's in good health now and he's lost a lot of weight. Uh, do you think we can get the premiums reduced to get rid of obesity? But he then told us of a, um, you know, he had three stents put in four years earlier? Yeah, four, four, maybe even five years ago now. Five years ago. And then when we asked him, you know, did you claim for this on his trauma insurance that he's been paying for, substantial premiums, I think his response was, what's, what's that cover? So he didn't even know the insurance he had or what it actually covered so this was something, so do you want to talk about how you went back to the insurer, spoke about it and what, and what the outcome was and how quick it all happened? Yeah, so obviously this was five years after the date of the actual event um, and the conversation came about between, between yourself and the client um, and then it was just a case of me contacting the insurer, confirming um, the benefit amount that he might have, seeing the kind of the definitions on the policy to see that at that time, yes, he was covered for these potential um, potential events, providing them with the details, and then the client went to a doctor. I think um, sat some tests, or or no, he didn't even sit new tests. He just got the the data from back then, which was all already on file. Mm. Sent that away, and I was actually quite surprised at how quick the turnaround was. Then, um, as soon as they had that information, the insurer turned around and said, "Yep, you're covered." It wasn't a full payout because, luckily, it wasn't too severe it wasn't a full-blown heart attack but um, he was entitled to I think 60 or 70 percent of his full cover amount um, and I know for him that was really helpful given his his situation and that money came in um, it would have you know been nice to have had it at the time of the event because I know he did take some time off work 
Um, but it was, you know, still something that he was entitled to, and it was good to get that for him. I think the insurer was also really good, and we were sure always shout out the ones that have done really good. So in this case, it was BT, but they were actually really good in actually also refunding him the premiums that he had paid for the previous five years on that high sum insured too. So he got quite a large premium refund. Um, also, and yeah, I think, I think that highlights what both of you are talking about the difference between a retail policy and one that's sitting within an industry fund. Um, all the difficult cases that you know the client needs to keep working through and sort of making them emotional, the ones that you know you're trying to fight against the insurer. But when you're talking about a retail policy, you've just talked about one that's paid back premium for five years and paid the within seven days, yeah. I think. Was that correct of getting all the information? Yeah, something like that. And I think I've had cases where you've been working with the insurer and cases where it definitely feels like you're working against them. Um, and that's where that <laughs> that taking out a premium policy uh, is really beneficial, I believe. Um, he probably doesn't get that paid if it's not a sort of a higher-end um, Correct. If policy. Correct. just a basic contract, he would have got nothing because it wouldn't have been classed as severe enough. Yeah, and so I think that's really important. Um, and, yeah, getting everyone on the right page, the insurer can be, like I said, a great support. But if there's a real shout-out here, though, Jamie... What Matt, uh, well, what's been highlighted, sorry, by Sean, uh, is the fact of that don't have insurance, put it in place, and then not review it and think you got cover. The most important part of this, in, and this is what, as you know, in the industry talks I get engaged to do, I'm mortified by the fact that so many people in our industry put insurance cover in place for a client and then never speak to them for five or six years. And there's some insured requirements going to be different, but also too that had the client doesn't know what they have or why they're paying for what they have as well. So a shout out to everyone who's out there that, you know, if you've got other family members, etc., such in the case of uh, Helen, if you've got other family members, etc., that uh, haven't had their stuff reviewed, you know, if, I always say if it hasn't been reviewed in two years, it's probably outdated. Yep. Uh, so it is just so important dealing with a professional uh, and there are other professionals out there, it's not just us. Uh, but, you know, Sean, the work you've been doing on that has been sensational. And the fact is, I'll just touch on one thing you said. The great thing about what you do is you know and have known right from the start, you do not re- represent the insurer, you represent the client. And that attitude has shone through every time. So congratulations on that. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So Lucy, it's not just important for our, uh, I guess, the 18-year-old clients um, to look after budgeting cash flow. Sort of, why do you see it as important for sort of all clients? Uh, yeah, so I really think that despite your income tax bracket, it's important to note here that your cash flow is always going to change based on life's events. So a good example is right now, we're obviously going through a global pandemic, high unemployment rates. Uh, you've got people who've got absolutely no income coming in. Uh, there's also, you know, definitely the chance in our lives that we'll face redundancies, unpaid parental leave or carer's leave. Uh, and conversely, there's also going to be times where we have more cash flow than expected. So that might look like an inheritance or a hefty tax return or a bonus or a pay rise. So what we want to do is create a foolproof system, i.e. a budget, so that despite changes in cash flow, there are actually minimal changes that you need to apply to your lifestyle or that will change your capacity to save.
Yeah, and we're not sitting there telling people to start cutting coffers out or anything like that. We're sitting there no, like, we're all about spending money <laughs> on value at Kofkin Bond. So uh, what we want to do is basically, or by establishing a budget, is ensuring that our clients are only spending money on things that they value and that align with their goals for the future. So this actually usually means paying themselves a realistic amount based on the lifestyle needs that they've told us about uh, and then putting the surplus somewhere else where they can't see it. So when you're only spending money on things that you value it actually means there's no restriction involved at all fantastic thanks very much lizzie <laughs> no worries thanks for having me tony we're bringing it back to melbourne this time um and on this podcast a lot we've talked about strategy and yes. how that's important for the client um the most that, important part of the role we do yeah, yeah and you know it's a passion of yours but we always say that we're not going to talk about product but i am going to take a moment to actually talk about some product and yes. we're not going to name anything individual, but the importance behind research. And we have a very important guest here in Innie who's going to discuss today um, about the research behind what we do and the plans that we present. But do you want to just touch on her role here and why it's so important? Yeah, so Innie first came here five years ago, four years ago, five years ago? Three. Three? Have really? you been going on for? You, you've grown on me. <laughs> so, what I do know is any question I ask, the answer will be precise. Yes. <laughs> so it's um, because uh, Uni is one person who is thorough when it comes to uh, making sure that the answers are correct yep. and, you know, down to the millicent. Um, so certainly not my personality, but it's uh, in regards to uh, I come up with strategy and this is one of the most important parts is that coming up with a strategy is the most important part of any client's journey. But then ensuring that that's straight, because sometimes you do have to use product and that product might be an ETF or a managed fund or a direct equity or insurance an insurance product or a platform. But what's important is coming up with this strategy is the most important part of it. But if it's then backed by a bad product, so we can come up with the client needs income protection and give them a basic rubbish contract in place and then say, well, they've got income protection, but a point, the most important time of their life when they need that, a point of claim, it can get knocked back because it was junk insurance. So this is important of Uni's role. So basically, she will be the person who sits down and actually does the research in respect to this, uh, the stuff that is there because as important as my role is, it's also so important in respect to her role um, of doing the research so that when the client needs that the most, being upon retirement, being in the events of a medical emergency, we know that we back ourselves because of the research that Innie does for us. So Innie, welcome. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your day-to-day -day and, and that role? Um, so my day-to-day -day is more of um, Firstly, doing research on um, products from all perspective, um, so superannuation, insurance, investment, and some other area. And then my other uh, other task is to um, based on the re the research and then based on strategy, putting the financial planning plan um, together in one um, precise document for the client. So um, when I doing my research, um, so based on the di direction of the strategy, um, I want to make sure that um, based on different clients' personal situation, the product is suitable for them. Um, so for example, um, when client need to um, get a um, suitable super fund, I need to make sure that um, the 
the recommended product um, is like price competitive and also it offers um, functionality and then um, it has other features that allow clients to manage their super um, easily. Yeah. And look, I can definitely say from from my point, we've been working pretty closely together to keep developing that research and those plans. And if you want to know if your plan's accurate, I can promise you it is because uh, the details that you can find is incredible. And, and you were talking about those little features as well. And, and that's something that's really important because when you're doing that research to find those little benefits for a client, because you, you might have a client that might be similar in price point, might be similar in age, things like that, but they may want different features. Um, and that's what that research can provide. Absolutely, and this is what I said is really vital. Um, so, I mean, as an organisation, we went through a product failure some 12 or 13 years ago, uh, which although clients uh, got back their money, the strategy that we put in for the clients was absolutely magnificent and working to perfection. Unfortunately, the product failure was riddled with fraud. Uh, which we did not detect. And as a result, we're, our, our, our due diligence uh, is so stringent. Our, the way we do things is so stringent. And if we have a client who says, no, I just want the cheapest, say if it was insurance as an example, well then sometimes we just have to say to the client, well, unfortunately you can't be our client because at the point of claim, which unfortunately does happen. We've had $48 million of claims now. At the point of claim, if they have rubbish, as I said, rubbish in, rubbish out, and this is the importance of Yinni's role. And so her technical knowledge is exceptional, and the way, Yinni, you actually uh, rip things to pieces to get that exact answer. And the great thing is, too, is that she'll turn around, she'll say, no, I think this is best for these reasons and give us all the reasons why and all the research is there and it's just like, well then, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Any thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. T, we're here with another one that you've known for a very long time um, and this one I'm going to actually sit out a little bit. So I guess a couple, oh, God, going back to the start of Corona, um, we made any, some decisions around our investment committee um, and the people that would help with the research behind that. Um, and we partnered with some really good external people as well uh, because I think it forms a big part of the advice. But guess here today, Josh, um, which we've heard from before, but do you, do you want to touch on a bit of the work that you guys do behind the scenes um, with our investment committee, including Matt and Willard and, and some external partners? Um, well, I'll, I'll let Josh touch on it uh, because it is an absolute passion of his and it's not a, you don't come to work every day when you're actually just following your passion and doing a bucket load of work, uh, you know, so, you know, which is for the good of what our clients want. But the basis of it is, is that we try to take emotion out of every single financial decision that is made. Uh, that is what our job is for the client is I have seen clients it's like watching clients slowly cut off their own fingers with some of the decisions that they make so uh, they have had goals and then all of a sudden it's like they've gone off track and gone off goals and become very reactive and reactionary and and all of a sudden you see their goals just not being met and then they wonder why things aren't happening so the basis of it is is that we sounds awful but have to be emotionless when it comes to these investment decisions so we don't go chasing trends or fads uh, we look at everything from a long-term perspective and ignore short-term volatility with a long-term perspective and as a result of that um, a young gentleman in here who I do know very very well 
uh, he might at times say that I don't know him, and that's <laughs> so. But it's uh, but he um, he the last four four and a half years that he's been working here, he's, he's had tremendous growth as he goes to the next level of his own personal growth as well. So, uh, yeah, introducing a, another person who has my surname being uh, Joshua Kofkin. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Um, it's been a little while since we did our last podcast, so talking finance today with Tony. I think it's going to be an exciting one. Um, now, the way we go about constructing a portfolio, um, we definitely have our, our preferred methods. Um, just touching on capital preservation is probably the most important part. Uh, there's no point being in a fund that does 10% per annum if all of a sudden the market was to crash and your funds are then worth negative 30 percent would you agree on that one tony <laughs> absolutely yeah so i think a lot of clients would agree on that too yeah. so our, outperforming in the bad times um, is just as important as outperforming in the good times absolutely um, i feel that that's really um, an in-house principle that's inbuilt to our model portfolios it is and that, that doesn't uh, mean that over any short period of time there's not a negative return but we there's no use as you've said getting you know really good returns in the good years uh but, but having getting embarrassing returns that we're having to justify in the bad and yeah you know so it's uh, so capital preservation in the bad and as we say over a period of time uh that doesn't occur but over the short term that on any given day yeah. that can actually occur in obviously in the portfolios exactly and i think as well one of the most important parts is um it really just taking a long-term view and not subscribing to the short-term volatility and the short-term noise. Uh, there's lots of news articles out there that panic everyone saying that the market's going to collapse next year, but I think that the most important part is taking a long-term view. Um, if your retirement is 25 years out in the future, what's the point of subscribing to the monthly newsletter, for example? Would you agree on that? I actually, I think it's even more than that, Josh, and that is we go back to the emotions. We take the emotions out of the decisions yeah. uh, that we make. And yeah. and what I mean by that is, you know, as a, as a society, we're now bombarded uh, with information from everywhere, you know, 24-hour news cycles, social media. And what, what actually happens, though, when it comes to social media and even mainstream media now being, say, more newspapers... Um, we're bombarded with information that reinforces our biases, which yep. means that our brains actually don't evolve in learning new things because our decisions are then made before we talk based on historical crap that has happened to us in the past. Like, for example, oh, you know, it's um, I'll never make money. I don't want to invest in shares. No one makes money in shares. Now, for somebody to make that comment, it means they've been burnt somewhere in the past. Yeah. You know, so it's um, so I think you have to be able to filter out all the noise and be able to listen to fundamentals. And by doing that, you actually have to take out biases, which for human nature is really hard. Very, very hard to do that. Uh, I guess one other thing that we really like to do is keep the total cost of the overall portfolio as less as we can. Um, I think it's sitting at about 0.5% um, at the moment. So look, if you've got a really good portfolio that's outperforming, I mean, both the good and the bad years, but your performance is being taken away by fees, that can really hurt your overall return. Mm. Um, so look, I mean, if you're getting 30% per annum and paying a 10% performance fee, that's okay. But if you're in an index fund and that index fund is charging 60 basis points per annum, 
you're probably on the more expensive end of the spectrum and that's what we really look for is there's lots of funds out there that are similar but what's the cheapest of the bunch well it's it's you know realistically if you if you have a look at two underlying funds and take their you know whether it be a managed fund or an etf take their um their brand out of the equation because that's not diversification diversification is what underlying assets do they hold so the example you gave is a perfect one if all you're going to do is get an asx 300 index fund as an example well then you choose the cheapest one because the cheapest one actually gives you the better returns because both funds returns will be exactly the same exactly uh, because they're tracking the index yeah so if there's no underlying diversification in the assets they hold uh, then you, but you want exposure to that index. You go the cheapest exposure you can get to it. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're not paying for the brand; you're paying for the index. Yeah. Unfortunately, and though, people do pay for the brand because a lot of people do once again follow their emotions and follow what's sexy or what the yeah. noise is at the and moment. What they know. Yeah. Yeah. So as 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 you know, we've uh, we've actually just approved a new investment for our uh, mid cap uh, part of our portfolio. Yeah. It's taken them two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, we've always liked them, yeah. but it's taken them two and a half years to finally uh, become part of our model portfolio moving forward. Yeah, it's an exciting uh, move. They've been around for several years, but it's um, it's yeah we 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 it is about once again their historical performance, their valuations. But how did they do during the crap? How did they yeah. do in the last quarter of two thousand eighteen? How did they do during coronavirus? Yeah. Um, and what is their fundamental philosophies and what are the people like that actually run the fund and make those decisions and are they true to name in other words if their name is that we invest in mid caps and this is what we do but their performance doesn't show that well then then they're even going to get a sniff in with us 100% correct and I mean one of the most important parts there regarding the bias as well is lots and lots of investors are either growth investors or value investors Whereas in-house, we sort of mash up the two do to create they, a blend. Do, do they actually know whether they're growth or whether they're value? Not usually, no. But yes, they will have a bias they're biased towards, towards banks. Without or... necessarily understanding what growth or value exactly is. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. I mean, in-house, we do like to have a blend of value and growth. And I think at the moment, it's sitting, uh, it's roughly 50-50, to be honest. It'd be mm. roughly 50-50. And I mean, it's proven well, as you could see during the COVID crash, it did its job, it held up very well. I think it did outperform the ASX 200 index in the drawdown by about 20%. So, I mean, you can't complain with that. Yeah, and, and the international would actually outperform that even more. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, and w- when you consider that the high growth fund is what, 90% on market? It's 90% on market. Yeah, yeah. so being 90% on market, it actually outperformed by 20 plus percent. So, is, and and by saying that, we're not saying it didn't get a negative return. Yeah. We're saying the negative return was 20-odd percent, percent less, less. Exactly. Uh, than exactly. actually just following the indexes. So, And that's what we talk about with the capital preservation. So, exactly. But exactly. it's interesting you say that, Josh, because that is, you know, there was we, we actually got a lot of phone calls during that period, as, as you know, where it was interesting the clients that were calling us, they weren't necessarily calling in a panic. A lot of them were calling saying, I've got cash, should I buy Qantas shares? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. and the answer was no. Definitely not. <laughs> no, so absolutely not at this stage. So, but it, it did show that 
clients were in a, I had a couple even throw back my quote at me yeah is this now the boxing day sale yes I said, and yeah. you remember me saying I'm not too sure if it's 26th of December but I still like the asset and it's far cheaper <laughs> today than what it was two months ago exactly <laughs> so exactly. it's I mean, um, if you get two units for the price of one why wouldn't you absolutely yeah. so so it's um and I, I think that's that where that research and you know it's uh, once again it's 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 about the fundamental research and everything that we continually do the clients don't say no um, and, and we wouldn't want to bore them with all those reports ooh, and <laughs> we, we bore them enough as it is with that but exactly. basically all they want to know is that we're true to label on what we have told them to exp- that they can expect yeah 100% yeah. correct Yes, so it's uh, well done with your research. You have got me into a couple of small uh, stocks, which have done okay. So, but that, that's not for clients. That's just between you and me. But that's me getting rid of my biases and listening to the young guns here and, and yeah, being pretty happy with a couple of them. Oh, yeah, I agree. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been really good. And, yeah, I look forward to next time. I'm looking forward to the next four years with you. <laughs> Tony, we're now moving on to the stage of the podcast where we're actually going to bring the man from behind the podcast involved and the brains. The brain. <laughs> so he's already jumping in. That's why we keep him behind it because he's interrupting me. But we're moving over to Willard here. So we've got to pay cut the last <laughs> half hour for being cheeky to me. So it's uh, so. But, but but on Willard, um, as I said, you guys you guys created this podcast. Um, you, you guys had that discussion and you had the belief in it, and that's why he sits in his role and I sit in mine. But Willard, you work in the client engagement um, and we don't, I guess, the marketing side of Gotham Bond, uh, but it's a lot more in depth than that. But do you want to touch on some things that you do for our clients and your beliefs behind that? Yeah, I kind of, I guess, from our client perspective, I've always tried to bring ways to improve their engagement, how they get their touch points with Gotham Bond and how we can give them the most value with yep. that, with that be newsletters our podcast or yeah other engagement pieces i think i think the important part on there and as you were discussing before we're not trying to create noise either um, yeah we're always trying to bring value whatever touch point we give the client we don't want to add a more noise to their noisy lives yeah and i think that's an important thing where everyone's getting bombarded with these emails but if we can make it clear and concise for the client and that's what we try to do with the podcast i think when you originally started it uh, with and, and Tony, we were discussing. We we wanted to make it feel like we was just sitting in there into a room talking to our clients um, instead of making it so structured. Yeah, and I think that kind of is the basis of what all we do is that we try and bring a yeah personalised service to all our clients and friends of Kafkan Bond. So we've moved over the last um, couple of years as well, and you've been working pretty hard in the background, um, closely with me a lot of the times in, in bringing new technologies to the business um, to help with that client engagement as, as well as to help with, I guess, the way that we research um, and the way that we service as well. So is that a bit of a passion of yours working on that side of things? Yeah, it's a business development and yeah, all comes back to the client engaging with us. So if our back office is working great, then the clients are not having too much to touch and the employees are also having an enjoyable experience. So it brings it all back to a yeah, good service to the clients. I learned a new uh, word the other day uh, from Tom Sutton from BT, and um, so and it's not AI or machine learning. So don't worry, <laughs> <laughs> you got that worried look on your face. But uh, they've got a roundtable uh, discussion based on advisors' technology. And I wrote back to Tom. He said he'd really love us there. And I wrote back to Tom saying. 
I'm actually unavailable, but there's no use me being there because I just see how it works. I certainly don't bring it to the table. Look, and bring in, and he turned around and he said, well, Jamie's already RSVP'd, but it's great to have you there because you're probably one of the leaders in respect to the technology stack you have. And I thought, what's the stack? <laughs> so it's, uh, but in regards to the way you've brought, you know, several different pieces of technology together to make them seamlessly work as one to actually help benefit our internal processes here, but also as a result of that, benefiting the client. Never stops. We're always wanting to improve and bring, yeah, again, a better service to the client. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for a lot. Good to have you on that side of the microphone for a change. T, we're with who I think's the most important part of our business and who keeps you in line, who keeps me in line. And actually, I try to sit between you two. So they have the yin and the yang, and I'm sort of the middle part that just, you know, keeps it all together, I think, in some meetings. But you're the glue, the Jamie. Glue. You're the glue. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think introducing this person who's the longest standing member of Kofkin Bond, um, and we've just found out you're a bit shocked, but it's up to 17 years now. I know. And I think touching on teamwork today, and this is a person that drives the teamwork, and I was going to start singing that We Are Family, but I, I won't I won't sing because <laughs> I think that will, that will get everybody. But, you know, do you want to touch on that experience within the firm? Yeah, I think, though, um, Chewy retired about a year and a half ago, but she yeah. was my longest-serving employee. She, we'd worked together for 22 years. She was my CFO. Um, and uh, she was actually in the initial interview process for uh, Boyana when she came in 17 years ago. So Boyana originally actually started as our receptionist and very quickly rose through the ranks of the organisation and you know with some of our clients who've been around for 20 odd years their relationship is with Boyana they take her out for lunch when they see her they they don't need me around and it's uh but that's been that long-standing relationship because and it also comes down to the fact that she's very nurturing what she does uh, it is a very family orientated business obviously here but also the fact of that she does bring everyone in on teamwork and does a magnificent job at it and 17 years later, um, you know, we've got you as our, as our glue, Jamie. <laughs> but passing over now, we welcome Boyana. Well, thanks, Jamie and Tony, for that introduction. Um, so finally, you've managed to get me in on a podcast. Um, well done. I never thought that would happen. Um, but luckily, you've asked me to say a few words about you know, one of my favourite concepts, which is teamwork. Um, which has been deeply relevant uh, both personally and professionally uh, over the years. Um, so as, as you know, as Tony mentioned, um, we've been working together for 17 years. Uh, and over the years, as you can imagine, um, we've had quite a number of people ask how we've managed to uh, work together as a, a married couple. And the answer is um, it has its challenges. Um, but. I think the key to our success is that we worked out earlier on that even two people are a team and for our team to achieve uh, successful outcomes we needed to bring our individual talents uh, to the table and value, appreciate and, and trust our differences uh, and that, that's been huge. So uh, when, when I was asked to say a few words uh, the question was posed, you know, why is teamwork important uh, and Kotlin Bond? and to our clients um, and so what I can say from my perspective um, it's not just important it's it's vitally important to our success as a business and vitally important to the success of our clients 
So teamwork is an incredible force um, that can lift us beyond what we can achieve on our own. Uh, that's the way I see it. Uh, so purely and simply, uh, because no one person can be an expert in everything. Um, you know, and what does this look like for our clients? Well, firstly, many of our clients have come to us initially because they've been referred either by family, uh, friends, or by their accountant, or you know, possibly legal professional or mortgage broker. And you know, this already is teamwork in practice. You know, the reason they've been referred to us is because uh, there's a need for expert advice uh, or service that is outside the scope of the specialty and knowledge of the other professional. And their professional you know, friend or family member care enough to want to help them to achieve a successful solution uh, for their financial uh, needs and family, you know, to protect their family. So teamwork is, is vital to how uh, successfully we serve our clients as well. Having a team means that as a professional service provider, we can go deeper and grow more skilled in what we do to deliver excellence. You know, your financial advisor, you know, as brilliant as he or she is in understanding client needs and formulating strategies, won't know the ins and outs of the various processes and requirements in putting a financial plan in place uh, and making it real. So as, t as Tony has often said, uh, a client spends two or three hours at an initial meeting, but this is just the beginning. You know, after the meeting, there's a whole process of collaboration that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, and this often you know, is, is hours of work. So the outcomes for our, our clients is that they can be reassured that their financial affairs are in good hands and you know, all bases are covered. They don't have to rely on one individual. That, uh, having the services and support of a team means that clients, who are also very much a part of the team, can achieve you know, timely and, and high quality outcomes now and along the way into the future. So year in and year out, we're focused on growing the team. Um, you know, most recently, this includes introducing other professionals uh, to support our clients who are business owners and executives in other areas of life and wellbeing. Um, this is going to be delivered through a series of exclusive events during the year, uh, and you'll, you'll hear more about this uh, in the near future. So another area of focus uh, is engaging a technology team to help us uh, keep abreast of the rising costs to financial services practices of delivering quality advice to our clients and the list goes on. So a couple of days ago I was listening to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger tell in an introduction to Tim Ferriss's famous book uh, Tribe of Mentors about how he is often described as a self-made man to which he always replies that he's not a self-made man that in fact a lot of individuals helped him achieve the success that he has today and we all have heard dozens of quotes that underscore the value of teamwork you know, my favorite being behind every great man you all know the one you know I must say this sounds a bit sexist now um, but in any case the message being that um, these quotes not only remind us to acknowledge and appreciate all of the people who support us throughout our lives, but also to understand that others have also been uplifted by our support. Thanks, B. Now, I guess moving on from Boyana, we, we, we did have Matt earmarked for today, but unfortunately he's unwell. Matt's on enough podcasts, and I think he'll feature in a lot more podcasts moving forward with us, Tony, um, especially around the advice space. So I want to... Oh, Matt has just brought so much to our own business, you know, within the last uh, six months, he really has. So... Uh, six months? No, geez, we're going on yeah, 12. Yeah, so, 12. go on, mate, you're growing on us. <laughs> so, it's, uh, but no, he's been magnificent for our business. 
So I guess in closing off, um, it's been good to hear from all the staff today. There's a few nervous ones coming in and, Very nervous. and some notes taken. But look, I, I think everyone's done tremendously well. Um, that everyone's a natural like you, Jamie. Now, especially the ones that have come on for the first time. It's really good to hear them, um, to, I guess, have their voices heard and to hear what they do, what they're passionate about, um, and hopefully have them on a bit more through the next 100. Yeah, they're, as I said, they're magnificent people. Uh, we're honoured to have everyone who works here working with us. We are a magnificent team. Um, and, yeah, just looking forward to the next 30-year uh, journey. I'm 29 so far, so another 31 years in journey in this industry for me. What do you reckon? That's... <laughs> I'm going to hear a lot of stories by that stage. <laughs> and I'll repeat most of them as well, Jamie. Thanks, Tone. Pleasure.